Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Luke chapter 24. Welcome to Luke chapter 24. Join me there this morning. And uh, I'm going to read a few passages of scripture to you this morning. Bless the name of the Lord. Luke chapter 24, we're going to begin reading in verse 28. I want to read just a couple of scriptures, pass it to you this morning as a text. We'll get right into the Word of God. It said, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. Let's pray this morning. Father, I just pray that the next few minutes, God, that you would use my lips. You would use my understanding, God, to communicate what you have put in my heart this morning. I pray, God, that your word would be living and alive this morning. That it would challenge us and help us to go to another level. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture this morning? Many of you may have heard this maybe preached on an Easter Sunday. And um, I want to say this morning that my Christianity is my hope today. My Christianity is my hope this morning. And... um, My Christian life, Christianity has been a part of every landmark, every major landmark in my life that has been important to me. And uh, I thank God that some of the great joys of my life that I have experienced has come while I have been a Christian. How many are thankful for the experiences that you have had as a Christian? And... uh, Meeting my wife, my wedding, the beginning stages of our married life, the birth of my children, my call to preach. I remember preaching my first sermon. I remember pastoring my first church. I remember the process of the will of God in my life and through every major area of my life. All of these have been landmarks in my life that I am so thankful for in my life. And... uh, but I, I stand before you this morning and my heart is heavy because I desire more from God. I want my heart to be set again on fire and to burn again. And I'll just have to be honest with you this morning that I want a renewing of my heart. I remember when I first got saved, there was a fire that came into my life. And some of y'all would not have liked me when I first got saved. Because I'll just be honest, I was an in-your-face Jesus kind of guy. And um, 
And so it was because, not because I wanted to be that way, it was because there was something that burned inside of my heart that I was so grateful for the change that Jesus made in my life that I could not be silent about what he had did for me and what I believe he could do for others. And we all need burning heart experiences. We all need the revival in our hearts. We need the, the burning experience of encounter with God again. And, uh, and so this morning, I'm going to bring you back to the cross. I'm going to bring you back to the empty tomb. I'm going to bring you back to the resurrection this morning. This event in the Word of God that we, comes before us this morning, at the very least, should burn a renewal of hope in the hearts of the children of God this morning. Because this could be the year that he resurrects something in your life. This could be the year that a prayer that you've been praying for years is answered or something that you've hoped for. Now God is about ready to bring your way. Maybe it's a wayward child, a wife or a husband. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's just the fact that it's answered prayer. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's hope. And may he revive you and give you a burning heart this morning. And I want to talk about having a burning heart this morning. How long has it been since the fire of God really burned inside of your heart? How long has it been since you've had a real passion for God that's burned out of the bosom of your heart for God? See, this is what happened to these disciples, two of them. These two disciples, they're leaving Jerusalem. They're walking on the road to Emmaus. And it's interesting when we look at this, the Bible names one of them but doesn't name the other. The Bible tells us that the name of one is Cleopas. And it's interesting, and the other is unnamed. But there is... There is uh, there is a belief in a historical document that, that uh, Cleopas is supposed as to being the actual brother of Joseph, who was Jesus' father. Actually, his original name is Alphenus. It's what church documents say, that he was the brother. Church history teaches that he was the brother of Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. We're not told who the other one is, but we do know that out of verse 9, we do know that uh, is believed that he was to be part of the 11 and the rest of those that were with the disciples after the resurrection uh, when they came back with the report that the tomb was empty. And so here we have, they're walking along and they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which was about a seven-mile walk. Actually, it was a two-hour walk. And it's interesting because as they are leaving Jerusalem, there's, there's this interest of why they are leaving Jerusalem. Obviously, they'd been there for the Passover. Some suspect that they were headed back to Galilee, where they were from, to continue their life and to continue their, uh, what was taking place in their life. They're walking along, 
And it's amazing that as they're walking and talking, Jesus joins them on this walk, but they don't know that it's Jesus. But at the end, there's this experience that they have that their heart is set on fire after this encounter with Jesus again. Their heart is is set on fire. They have this, I call it, holy heartburn experience. What you and I need this morning, morning is to get back the holy heartburn in our hearts. We need to get back the fire of God in our hearts, to burn in our hearts and in this body, in this church body. We've got to get fire back in this congregation. We can't sit back and just let church become nominal here. I believe this place was birthed out of passion. It was birthed out of fire. It was birthed out of hunger. And we cannot let it die. We cannot let this place become dead, dry, a place where you leave on Sunday morning going, well, that was interesting. But when you leave here on Sunday morning, there is a fire that is ignited inside of you that just doesn't burn on Sunday, but carries you through the week until you come back and say, I've got to have more. I've got to have more. And as I said to you earlier, I've got to have more, church. I've got to have more. I can't, I can't do it like this. You know, in seminary, they train you to do it like this. Well, seminary didn't call me. Jesus called me. You know what I'm saying? Y'all hear what? I mean, denomination didn't call me. I'm thankful for my license from CGIA, but CGIA didn't call me. God called me. And he put in me, as he has you, a hunger for him that should never, never run dry. And we've got to call folks to that. I'm calling you to that this morning. I'm calling you as a church body to a place of fire, to a place of Holy Ghost fire, releasing the power of God into this congregation so that God can help us burn, so that God can help us step into what he has for us so that there's nothing lacking in this body. Bear with me this morning. I believe it's a kind of experience when we get holy heartburn. (laughs) Y'all ever had heartburn? There's certain things that I can't eat because I know it gives me heartburn. And uh, there's there's no worse feeling than heartburn. But let me tell you, there's no greater feeling than holy heartburn. When God gets a hold of the heart. And so, I want to know Listen, I want, I want to just know more than I'm just saved this morning. We're saved by grace through faith. We know that. And, and we're not just saved just to feel good, even though being saved does feel good, right? Even though being born again does feel good. But I believe in a heartfelt relationship so real with Jesus that it burns the soul, that the soul is set on fire. You know, most Christians begin their walk with God on fire, and then we notice that as 
seasons go, and as they walk through trials, all of a sudden they begin to burn out a little bit. Some Christians I call are like Roman candles. They're just pew, 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 pew. I mean, they start off and they, they shoot off like a Roman candle, and then after a while, they just kind of die out. Some of y'all have been like Alka-Seltzer, you know? It's like fizz, 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 fizz until a fizz dies. And that's how some Christians have lived their life. But when you walk with God, all of us at times need a stirring of the gift of God in our hearts again. Sometimes we have all the facts, but we lack the fire. See, we have, sometimes we have all the theology, but not doxology, the worship and the praise. This account gives us insight to the fervent relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that he desires with us. This is an interesting passage. I've read it many times, but there are things God showed me this time that I'd never seen before. As I said before, we come to church and we get information, we get all the facts, but we don't leave with the fire. We don't leave with something burning in us that changes us, that has changed us, that has moved us to action. I mean, we should be like the early church. The early church lacked nothing. Not because they were rich materially, because they were rich spiritually. No church should lack volunteers to serve. <laughs> oh, is he going to go there? Yep, I'm going to go there. Because some of y'all been sitting on your high knees too long. And you got hemorrhoids from sitting. And it's time to get up and to do something for the kingdom of God. But the only thing that's going to do that is if God puts a fire in you, that changes your desire and a fire that moves you to do something in the kingdom of God. I read a story this week of, I don't know if many of all, if you all know who Vance Habner is. Vance Habner was a Baptist preacher. And uh, Vance Habner one time was invited to uh, a Pentecostal tent meeting. And he was a Baptist. And of course, uh, being a Baptist in a Pentecostal tent meeting, you know all, how, all know how that can go sometimes. And uh, in the tent meeting, it just erupted in worship and praise, and everybody in the tent started running except Vance Habner and his assistant. And uh, his assistant that was with him leaned over and said to Vance Habner and said, he said this, he said, do you think these people are going to heaven? And Vance Habner said, I do, as long as they don't run past it. <laughs> I believe there is a fire that gets in us that moves us to a place of passion and excitement and joy and serving God. But I want to show you a couple of things this morning. Number one, I want you to see this conversation that takes place. These two disciples are walking along together discussing all the things which had happened in Jerusalem. They're headed home to Galilee. And verse 14, back in verse 14, it tells us this. 
and they talked together all these things which had happened. And they began to have this conversation. I'm sure the conversation was like, hey, did you see that trial? Did you see Jesus, the scourging that he had? I'm sure the conversation was, yes, but I didn't have a heart to go over to Calvary and to see what was happening. Have you heard what went on at the tomb? The ladies had come back and gave the report that the tomb was empty and that Jesus was not there. They're saying Jesus has come back from the dead. And see, these these men are walking away from Jerusalem and you get the picture as they're in this conversation that they were disciples, but it was like they were struggling with the resurrection. They were struggling with what had happened. You get the picture that in the conversation of this picture that they, they have all the facts, all the information, but it's not real to them. They have all the facts of what happened at the crucifixion and all, and the report of Jesus' resurrection, but it just hasn't, wasn't real to them. It just had not become real in that sense. Some Christians are like that. They come to church, you have all the facts, but it's not real to you. Sometimes we need to to leave God's house changed. Our hearts need to be stirred, not just with the facts that set us free, but leave with a fire that's burning inside of us. That's why I believe some of our churches have become temples of ice, dull and dead, formality, carrying on. Instead of being a labor room with tears and agony as souls are born into the kingdom of God, as people give birth to their callings and give birth to their destinies in life. But our churches have become so dead that not much happens anymore under the roof. And we become happy with that. I'm telling you, I'm not happy with that this morning. I believe that this church should be a birthing room for the kingdom of God. That this should be a birthing center for anyone who has a destiny with God in their life. This should be the place where people find Jesus and give birth to new life in their, in their hearts and their lives. You know, I think about these two disciples as they walk along and they're talking. And, uh, you know, it's an amazing thing that happens when believers get together and begin to talk. Don't you love the fellowship of like believers? You ever notice that when you get together and you begin to talk and you begin to share, all of a sudden it's like there is this uh, growth that comes into your life. There's this knowledge that they're exchanging with one another. They're, they're getting this, this knowledge. They are, they are being refreshed. Their faith is being refreshed. Their affection is being stirred up again. That is what happened when believers get together. There is a knowledge. We be, there's an understanding that we come, and sometimes we get an understanding of a greater understanding of who God is. I can tell you this morning, I love our staff because we are a fellowshipping group of people. We come in here on Tuesdays to pray in the morning, and when we come in to pray, 
we get talking and we get talking about spiritual things. And I'm telling you, sometimes we don't get out of here until staff meeting time, which is at 10. And then we get in our staff meeting and we begin to talk. And I love hearing their heart. I love hearing the heart. But there's just something about when God's people are walking together, talking together, that stirs up something on the inside of us. I want to encourage you this morning. You need fellowship. You need relationship with believers. You need to be around people that are going to build your faith. They're going to stir your affections. You need a church body that will stir you this morning and stir you to a place of serving God. So this conversation that is being had, this conversation that is being between these two, they had the facts but their hearts were cold. Let me tell you, you don't need another sermon on prayer. You don't need another sermon on giving, on witnessing. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's not about picking out what's the right sermon to preach. But our hearts need to encounter Christ like Paul did, like Moses did, like Elijah did. Verse 15 The Bible says, and Jesus walks up to them, walks alongside of them. And verse 15 tells us this. It says, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went up to them and began to speak with them, began to talk with them. Verse 16 says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. In other words, it meant that that there was a divine covering. Their eyes were restrained. They did not recognize Jesus. It was a divine thing. Jesus showed up there. He began to speak to them. And uh, they didn't recognize him. The Bible says in Mark, it says this, he appeared unto them as another form. In other words, he showed up in a way they did not recognize him, that he was there but he wasn't in the form where they could recognize him or that they could notice that it was him. When you and I are walking along life and facing the difficulties, you know Jesus will sometimes come alongside us and walk with us. But we do not recognize him. He comes sometimes in many different unexpected ways. And we look back and we say, I think God was with me through that. I think that God had walked through me with. He comes in another form. Sometimes he comes in another form through a person that God brings into our life. Sometimes he comes in another form through provision. Sometimes he comes in through our lives through a door being opened to us. We don't always recognize that it's God. But I can tell you, Jesus will never leave you walking alone. He will always show up And when you think that he's not there, he's there this morning. When you wonder where he's been or where he's at or does he hear you or does he know what you're walking through, I'm here to tell you Jesus is with you this morning, whether you see him or not. And sometimes he shows up in another form, but he's there with you. Hallelujah. Thank God that Jesus is with us this morning. In verse 17, just paraphrasing, he asked them, he says, hey, what you guys talking about? 
And then he says this, this is interesting. He says, why are you so sad? <laughs> why are you guys so sad? Why are you so sad? Listen, he saw on their countenance a dropping. He saw on their countenance a sadness, a loss of hope. There is, they've been in Jerusalem. They truly believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They thought he was coming to set up a kingdom that would topple Rome. There's probably all kinds of things that they thought. But as they walk home, after Jesus was crucified, they had news that he had risen, but I'm not sure that they believed that he was alive. Some of you in here this morning, you know the fact of the fact that Jesus has risen, but do you live like he's a risen Savior this morning? Because if you live like you believe that he is alive, your heart would burn differently than baby it burns right now this morning. Jesus is alive. He's living. He is in us. He is in, the, in our presence this morning. He is here this morning among us. And you know what? You may not recognize him here this morning, but I'm telling you, I feel him here this morning. I know he's in our presence this morning. And if we'll let him, there'll be a fire that'll come on you that will ignite you into service, into a victorious life, their countenance was down. In other words, they had lost their burning hearts. Have you lost your burning heart this morning? Have you lost your burning heart, a heart that once burned for God, a heart that was concerned about spiritual things, that put spiritual things on the forefront? Have you lost the fire that was down inside? Listen, I'm not preaching this. I'm not begging you this morning. Let me tell you something. If you're going to make it, in these last days, you better have the fire of God in you or you're going to fall by the wayside. If you're going to make it, I'm just telling you, if you're going to make it, you better seek him now. You better seek the fire of God in your life because you're going to struggle in these coming days if you don't have something in you that is burning inside of you that gives you life. I'm not patronizing you this morning. I'm just telling you, you're going to struggle. Some of you are struggling. Whew, man, I wish I had some Pentecostals to preach to you this morning because they'd be running right now. But there's a burning heart. Their heart, their countenance was sad. What's your countenance this morning? What is your countenance this morning? Listen, let me tell you what puts out the burning heart this morning. Let me tell you why their countenance was low. Number one, their countenance was low because disappointment and their expectation of him. See, there was this disappointment in what they expected Jesus to be. They expected him to come and to be a king and to rule like, like Caesar ruled over Rome at that moment. There was this disappointment in their expectation of who Jesus is. And some of you this morning... Your countenance is low. It's because you've been disappointed in the fact that Jesus has not been what you thought he should be. You're disappointed because you've given up the cause. You've given up the cause because you've been disappointed at what you expected 
this life with God to be like. I've known people like that. They thought all of a sudden that, they, that it wasn't going to require anything of them to be a believer. That Christianity didn't play out to be what I expected it to be or wanted it to be. They were disappointed in what they thought was going to happen. Disappointment will cause you to have a sad countenance. And if you have disappointment in your heart this morning, if any burning fire that's in your heart will go out this morning. You can be disappointed in ministry. You can be disappointed in leaders. Hear me this morning. You may be sitting here disappointed with me this morning. (laughs) Disappointed with the church. I'm telling you, I'm not your answer. Our leaders are not your answer. Jesus is your answer this morning. He can heal your disappointment. It's time for you to get your fire back. Whether It doesn't matter who's in charge. Jesus is ultimately in charge. But it's a matter that it's his kingdom that is at risk. It's his kingdom that we're fighting for. It's his kingdom that's why you need fire. It's his kingdom why you need to stand up and say, I'm not going to let and be disappointed. I'm going to walk out what God has put in me. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the second thing is how their burning heart and they had a sad countenance was because their reality was not reality. What they thought was reality was not reality. Now, they may have known that he was risen, but even though they knew he was risen, there was two things. Either they didn't know it, or they decided they weren't going to believe it. And what happens is the reason our hearts lose fire is because our reality is not the reality. In other words, the Bible says they were still sorrowful. They were sorrowful when really, listen, they're walking, Jesus has risen. He's overcome death, hell in the grave. There's been a new economy that has been uh, instituted and they are walking and their hearts are sad. But the truth is, they have no reason to be sad. But they thought they did. And our hearts get burned out sometimes because we, we live in a reality that's not the reality. We self-talk ourselves out of truth. We self-talk ourselves out of serving We self-talk ourselves out of serving God because we think one way when really the reality is this, is that, listen, let me tell you this. The reality this morning is that God has given us blessings. God has provided every blessing according to all his riches and glory. Everything is available to you this morning as a believer. Don't believe the lie that God's not going to provide or that God can't meet your need or that God can't take care of you. Stop living in the lie of the reality of your self-talk, but live in truth. The truth is, this book says he is living. This book says he is alive. This book says that we have access to everything Jesus died for. Are you hearing me this morning? Stop living with your sickness. 
Stop living with your depression. Stop living with your disillusion. But get up and say, I'm going after God. Burn in my heart again truth in me, a fire that I once had. Come on. God wants to fire some of you all up. I wish I had a spiritual blowtorch this morning. (laughs) It wouldn't be good, Dr. Sean. I'd burn this place down. Because you need fire, you need fire, you need fire, you need fire, you need fire. I need fire this morning. We all need the fire of God this morning. Well, the world, they're making me wear masks, and oh, I got to get a shot, and Hey, I got an email this week from one of the hospitals in our region. And being, you know, I get emails from the chaplaincy of the hospital, updating ministers that come on campus and visit. They tell us, they said, if you don't have a shot by October, you cannot visit your congregants. They're saying if I'm not vaccine by, if I don't have the vaccine by October, then I can't go into the hospital and visit the people that are in my church. (laughs) And you know, the devil tried to play with my head. You know, he tried to make me feel like, well, if you don't get it, that means you don't love God's people. Let me tell you something. I am not losing sleep over stuff like that. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying nobody has to go in the hospital. That way I don't even have to go. (laughs) Hey, hey. (laughs) If nobody's sick, then I don't have to go. We'll just pray healing over this whole body in Jesus' name. No sickness. No sickness. No sickness. (laughs) That's the answer, right? You say, well, that's not real. It is real. Jesus died for your, Jesus died that we might be healthy. Jesus died that we might be whole. Jesus died so that, you, listen, I understand people get sick. But Jesus, help us this morning. The third thing is their confession had to change. Their confession had to change from the natural to the supernatural. And their confession was, is that, man, did you see what happened back there in Jerusalem? They told Jesus, man, where you been? How could you not know all that took place back there? Everything was focused on the natural. Everything was focused on, well, you know, uh, they crucified him. They put him in that tomb. Them Romans, they're bad. They're mean. You know? It's like some of you all. You come to church and Well, you know, the devil's on my back. The world is just crazy. And I don't know if I can make it another day. And I just, no, what needs to happen is there needs a fire that needs to enter into your heart. And you need to move from living at what you see in the natural to believing what is promised you in the Word of God. Listen, Jesus is in this conversation with them. And and they're and they're telling Jesus. You know, they say, where were you? Were you? And Jesus says in verse 19, he says, 
Uh, where were you when all these things that happened? And Jesus says, what things? What things are you talking about? What things are you referring to? See, we have to understand that in the midst of this congregation, their faith had been shaken. Their faith had been shaken. The devil loves to shake your faith. He loves to shake your faith up. To get you believing something that is not true. I'm telling you, the church is being shaken up right now. It really is. I thank God for it. Praise God. Shake, baby, shake. Huh? How about y'all like the old song? Y'all remember Shanana? You ever heard of the Shanana? Y'all seen the Shanana show? How many of y'all old enough to know Shanana? Y'all know Bowser on Shanana? Huh? <laughs> Listen, I'm glad God is shaking. Because I believe God is getting ready to shake, rattle, and roll the church. It's time to shake it up a little bit. Y'all not convinced? But that's all right. I'm going to shake y'all and shake y'all to either money falls out or you get the fire of God. <laughs> Till something falls out. <laughs> Listen, they say what things? And listen what they said to Jesus. They said, and they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, indeed and in word, and all the things he did indeed and word. They, listen, here's what they said. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who we believe was a prophet and a teacher, he did, he did good things in word and deed. You, you catching something here? How are they talking about Jesus? They're talking about him in past tense. He was a prophet. He did good things. He, he was, he was a good teacher. No, 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 no. He is today alive. He's not past tense. He's not gone anywhere. He's in the same place he's always been at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for you and I. Their hearts began to get cold because they lived in the past tense. Listen, these guys were disciples. I believe they hung around the 12. I believe they were part of those that were sent out. I believe these guys walked closely. I believe they heard the Sermon on the Mount. I believe they were there when Jesus opened blind eyes, when he turned the water into wine. I believe they were there when lame began to walk. They began to overflow with faith. I believe that they were part of the ones who wanted to see Lazarus after he had resurrected from the dead. But now they're talking to him in terms of past tense. They heard the rumors, but he's no longer real to them. You'll lose the fire in your heart if Jesus stops being real to you. Jesus cannot stop being real to you. Don't let Jesus stop being. You got to, you know what they told me when I got saved? You know what my pastor told me? He said this. He said, you want, you want to know how to stay in the fire of God? He said, read the red and pray the power. Read the red and pray the power. Read the red and pray the power. How many know what I'm talking about? How many's got a Bible that Jesus' words are in red? Huh? You need to read, you need to read the red and pray the power this morning. That'll keep your heart burning. If you read the red and pray the power, Jesus will never be past tense in your life. Well, I remember the day when God blessed me. No, no. 
Your confession this morning is, God is blessing me. Right now, right now, he's, right now he's working. Right now he's present in your life. Right now. And if he's right now, then the fire of God can burn inside of you right now. I said right now. Hallelujah. We live in a world of shaken faith. Don't you all know that? I mean, think about it for a moment. People have faith in technology, but it can't solve the heart problem. People have faith in politicians and politics, but they become, in the recent times, they become disillusioned with politics and with parties, if you're like me. People have put their faith in psychology. Psychology can tell you the problem, but psychology has yet to answer the problem. And I'm here to tell you that some, some people think that the answer to a problem is to put you on a pill to numb you from feeling or to numb you from really understanding and walking in reality. And I'm not, dis, I'm not discounting what medicine can do. If you need medicine, take it. Because I don't want to come out here and peel you off climbing up the side of the wall or are you acting crazy down at CVS and they call me and say, is this your church member? No, I don't know who they are. I... They gave your name. Well, call the paddy wagon. No. I'm here to tell you our hearts have to burn because our world has been shaken and faith has shaken our world. Our world has been shaken. Real religion is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Their faith was shaken. Not only was their faith shaken, but their hope had been shattered. All of their hope had been shattered. They said this, they said, but we trusted that it had been he. The word in the Greek means that they had hoped. Hoped he was the one. Hoped that he was the one who was a hope for their future, the forgiveness of their sins, and their victory over death. They heard rumors, but they weren't believing it and weren't holding on to it. I got to hurry. I know I got to hurry. I love how Jesus, first there's the conversation and then there's the explanation. Jesus enters the conversation and look what Jesus says to them in verse 25. In verse 25, Jesus says to them, and he said unto them, O foolish ones, how slow of heart to believe. Oh, foolish ones, how slow. Now, Jesus was not calling them fools in the sense that we know it as being called fools. In other words, what Jesus was saying, you've not read your Bible. You've not read the Word of God. Don't be foolish because you've not read the Word of God. Have you not any confidence in my Word? Your Bible predicts all of this. All that you are experiencing, your Bible has predicted. In other words, Jesus had to deal with two things in these guys. One, he had to deal with the head problem. Their hearts were cold. But they had two problems that were related to Scripture. One is they had a head problem. Old foolish means no mind. To be foolish means no mind. That's what the word there means. It means to be non-intellectual. It means to not know. It means to not, it really comes from a heart. It really means that their heart was not really wanting to know. 
In other words, they only lived by what they heard. They did not know by experience. Can I tell you, you can't live, you can't live for God by just hearing people talk about God. You can't live for God just, just by just hearing religious sayings or even just watching sermons. How many know that if you're going to live for God, you've got to have an intellectual understanding of who God is? You've got to know the Bible, know the Word of God. Know that God's Word is true and real this morning. Matthew 4 says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But I love Matthew 5, 18 says that his word will not pass away till, uh, until, he said, not one jot, not one tittle, until all is fulfilled. How many's ever wondered about that scripture? Not one jot, not one tittle. Now, I know you woke up this morning saying, I hope pastor explains to me what one jot and one tittle means. Well, God heard your prayer. I'm going to explain to you what one jot and one tittle means. Till not one jot or tittle has passed and is fulfilled. That is a Hebrew term. It's a Hebrew letter, actually. Jot is a Hebrew letter. It's the Hebrew letter rod. And really, it is a, a jot is a mark. And in the Hebrew, it really is just a breath mark. So when you read Hebrew, if you can read Hebrew, when you read Hebrew, a jot is a, what they call a breath mark or a, just a mark. It's just a mark. But here's what's interesting is that um, it's a breath mark. And then it says, and not one tittle. Now, one tittle is just a, a nub at the end of a word. But here's what's interesting. If where that is could change the meaning of that word, that's how important it is. One little tittle on, in the Hebrew language, if it's there, it, the word may mean one thing. If it's not there, it could mean another. In other words, one jot, one tittle, one thing could change the whole meaning of the word of God. And God says, my word is so sure my word is so perfect that not one jot or tittle will pass away till everything in this book has been fulfilled in our lives. Hallelujah. That's, that's a great promise to us this morning. Woo! And verse 27 says this. It says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Woo! How many of y'all would like to have a Bible study with Jesus? <laughs> That's what they did. They're walking along and Jesus goes from Moses to the end of the prophets. And he, he explains himself concerning himself throughout all scripture. Jesus says, boys, come around. And as they're walking, Jesus is teaching. As they're walking, Jesus is speaking, and he's taking them through the scripture, and he's showing them himself in all of scripture. Woo! <laughs> Man, I'd give anything to be in that Bible study. I wouldn't be able to walk anymore. They'd find me laying on the side of the road on the way to Emmaus. Once he began to talk, 
It says he expounded from Moses all the way to the prophets. In other words, what did he say? Well, when he got to Genesis, he said, I'm the promised seed, the substitute ram of Abraham on the altar. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the great high priest. In Numbers, he's the star out of Jacob, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet greater than Moses. In Joshua, he is, he is, uh, he is the one who leads to the promised land, and he is the crimson thread in Rahab's window. In Judges, he's a savior and judge. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer, the son of David. In Samuel, kings and chronicles, he's king of kings and lord of lords. In Ezra, he's the faithful scribe, greater than the temple. In, in, in Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of torn down walls in our lives. In the book of Esther, he is one that has come for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Solomon, he's, he's remembered latter days on the earth. In Psalms, he's the good shepherd that leads us. In Proverbs, he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In Ecclesiastes, he's the creator remembered by the days of youth. And in Solomon, he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. In Isaiah, he's the wonderful counselor, mighty God. In Jeremiah, he's the potter. And he is the righteous brand. In Lamentation, he's, he's our compassion. He are our compassions that are new every morning. In Ezekiel, he's the son of man. In Daniel, he's the, he's the son of God and the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he's the son called out of Egypt. In Joel, he's the power of God in spirit. In Amos, he, he restores the tabernacle of David. Obadiah, he is our savior. In Jonah, he's the one three days and three nights in the earth. In Micah, he's the ruler called out of Bethlehem. In Zephaniah, he's the one who will rest, who will rest in his love. In Haggai, he's the stronghold day and night. In Zechariah, he's the wounded, who's the one wounded in the house of his friends whose feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. He began to consult the scripture and began to take them through all the scripture concerning himself. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, y'all. It's good stuff. Listen, y'all. Don't give me that old golf clap. Give me a clap that's worthy of his name. Hallelujah! You're not on the 18th hole of the U.S. Open. You're in the house of God where there's a Savior that is living and alive, wanting to fill your heart with fire this morning. Hallelujah! Woo! <laughs> Woo! Now comes the good part. I got to get to the good part. Pastor Adam, if you get ready to come, this is where I wanted to get to. And I'll go quick. Whew. So they get to where they're going, and Jesus is trying to depart, and they tell Jesus, they say, Come in and eat with us. They invited him in. They invited him in to come. 
And verse 29 tells us, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went and he stayed with them. They invited Jesus into their home. How many know things change when you invite Jesus into your house? I said things will change when you invite Jesus into your house. I thought about that precious family. I thought about that. Scripture says that they came in and they began to eat. And look at verse 31 or verse 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took the bread and blessed and broke it and he gave it to them. <laughs> he blessed the bread, he broke it and he gave it to them. And look, and what did the scripture say? The scripture says, and then their eyes were open and they knew him. Woo! He broke the bread. He blessed it, and then they recognized who he was. And then what happened? He vanished from them. And look what happened. It says, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? It didn't say their heart burned when they talked to him. It said when he talked to them, their hearts begin to burn as they walk the road. Listen, you're on a journey. I'm on a journey. But as we walk the fire of God, God will speak to our hearts and we will be fire that enters our heart if we will just commune with him. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Their eyes were open and the scripture says that they returned to Jerusalem. The fire of God hit their heart. They could not stay away from where the power of God was. They went back to Jerusalem. They sought the 12. They told them that they saw Jesus and that he was risen. You know what I believe? I believe they were part of the 120 that was in the upper room when the power of God fell on the day of Pentecost. I believe they became faithful followers because the fire of God had hit their hearts. Man, whoo! Revival happened. Revival happened. Revival happened. You know, when I first got saved, man, I, I, I preached everywhere and did everything I can. Cluddy gave us a tent, and we'd set a tent up in these small towns, and we would just preach Jesus. I mean, storms would come through and blow that tent down. We'd have to get up the next day and put it back up again. We fought with that thing. But I'm telling you, God showed up. And I didn't mind it one bit. You know why? Because there was fire that was shut up inside of me. I remember one particular... <laughs> I don't know if I should tell this story. I guess I should. I remember one tent meeting we were doing. Actually, it was just right up here in Warsaw. And uh, we put a tent up there. And there was this lady, this old lady that came every night. She must have been well into her 80s. And she'd sit on the second row. And we'd sit on the front row. And while the music was going on, she had a whole mouthful of snuff, tobacco. And she'd sing and go... She'd sing and... I could hear her spitting. 
And she'd see me about three stanzas behind on a song. And then one night, I felt this little rain coming. And I thought, we're in a tent. I can't be feeling rain. And it was tobacco juice that was hitting the back of my neck from her singing. <laughs> she was into that stuff, man. She was, she was, she was gnawing on it. Loving Jesus and chewing snuff. Come on. <laughs> I believe that's a deliverance for somebody. I don't know. Praise God. But I had that juice all over me. But you believe after five days of putting that tent up, she came and gave her life to Jesus and gave her heart to the Lord. And I never met anybody that was that old that cried like she, she cried and wept at the altar and that juice would just spill out. I mean, she had a lot in there, y'all. <laughs> Big old bag of red man in her purse. I, <laughs> but listen, somebody's in heaven today. Because the fire of God got in our heart. People said, don't go down there to Warsaw. Nobody's going to show up at that tent. <laughs> well, not a lot of people did. But Chew and Sally did. <laughs> and I'm glad she did because somebody has to take the gospel to those who are ready to hear the gospel. Amen. Pastor Adam, if you'd come. Listen, the Bible said their eyes was open. But when did their eyes get open? When Jesus blessed and broke the bread. I thought to myself, my God, help us this morning. You know, there's a similar scripture in the book of Mark chapter 6. I want to close with this. Go with me to Mark chapter 6 this morning. Jesus is feeding the 5,000. Let me just tell you this this morning. There is blessing in the broken. There is blessing in that which Jesus breaks. Jesus is feeding the 5,000. They brought them out. They're in a desert place, and the disciples are worried about what they're going to eat. They're not. They're feasting on the Word. They, had, they didn't have food, but they had the Word. I'm telling you, there's got to come a day in our lives when we say, I got the Word of God. I don't need anything else in my life. When you become content with the Word, everything else goes by the wayside. They came to Jesus and said, these folks have got to eat. It's getting dark. Jesus said, well, what do you have? I'm going to tell you this morning, miracles begin. Miracles begin with what you have. Miracles begin by just yielding to what you have. Because what you have, God can multiply it. <laughs> if you'll just give it to Him. The question this morning is, you say, well, how do I get that burning fire back in my life? I'll tell you how. What do you have? What do you have? You have time. You have, what do you have to give to God? You bring it to him, he'll multiply it. Whatever it is, he'll multiply it. 
Matter of fact, the Bible says there were 5,000. He fed the 5,000, but scholars believe there was more than that because in those days they didn't count the women and children. <laughs> so there were probably close to 15,000 that were there. And matter of fact, the provision came from a little boy that had five loaves and two fish, right? Somebody... Somebody they didn't count. (laughs) Somebody in their eyes didn't really count. Jesus used he that brought the provision was somebody that wasn't even counted. Counted on. That society had dispersed or just cast to the side. Said they weren't important. They discounted them. They were unimportant. But it's it's who Jesus used to bring provision to those who thought they were something. Who was counted. And then Jesus says this. He says in verse 40 of Mark 6, he says, Take them and put them in hundreds and fifties. It's like, hey, Jesus, these people are hungry. We're going to take 12, 15,000 people and divide them into fifties and hundreds? What's Jesus teaching them? He's teaching them order. He's teaching them He's teaching them structure. He's teaching them order and structure. Listen, the power of God falls on order and structure. See, in order to receive that type of blessing, you have to be able to you have to be able to receive that type of blessing. If God is going to pour out on a congregation, his fire, and pour out his blessing on our lives. We have to be positioned right. There has to be the right order and structure in order to receive that type of blessing. God's not going to drop a blessing in your life if you're going to squander it. People say, well, if I was just rich, all my problems would be over. Well, some of y'all, if you were rich, you'd be broke in a year. Because some of us couldn't handle the blessing of God. And we say, God, send revival, send revival to River Valley, send revival to this place. The question is, could we handle that type of outpouring? Do we have the people in place to disciple people that would come in and get saved? Do we have the structure and the order in order to Proceed with a revival that would sweep a city. Could we handle it? Could we take it? It's a great question to ask this morning. What was he doing? He was producing patience in their life. And then the Bible said that he, they brought the fishes and the loaves to him. And the Bible says he did what? He blessed it. And he broke it. And then he began to distribute it to the disciples. He began to distribute it out to the disciples. He began to send it out to them. He broke it. And as he gave it to them, it began to multiply. It began to multiply. It began to multiply. See, it's the breaking in life that comes the greatest blessings. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's the breaking in life that brings the... The more he breaks you, the more he multiplies you. 
He kept breaking the bread and breaking the bread, and he kept multiplying and kept multiplying and kept multiplying. Man, I'm telling you, I'm standing up here, and I'm just getting a revelation just right now. Y'all watched it. I just got this revelation that I need to thank God for all, for every time he broke me. Every trial I've ever gone through was a breaking in my life. I need to thank him for every, every breaking, every trial, every, every battle I've had to fight, every disappointment, every struggle, every time that he broke me, every time I was rejected, every time I was disappointed, every time I was alienated, or every time my heart was broken. We should be thankful for God for the breaking. You know why? Because out of the breaking comes the greatest blessings that there is. He broke the bread and their eyes were open. And they recognized who he was. He broke the bread and what wasn't enough became enough. Woo! <laughs> he fed the multitude through the breaking. I would say, well, I want to do something for God, and you think somebody's just going to give you a suit and a microphone. <laughs> Jesus, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And you think just because you say that, God's going to give you a platform. God's going to just open every door. That ministry is just, let me tell you all something. Ministry's hard. It is not easy. <laughs> Any type of ministry. I'm talking to the lay people. You out here, some of y'all are finding out, some of our ministry leaders are finding out that it's not easy to be in ministry. It's not easy to gather folks to be greeters. It's not easy to gather folks to a Bible study and keep them faithful. It's not easy to disciple. It's not easy to, to, to put together a structure for people to serve. You have any question about that? Just sit with Sharon for about a half hour and she'll tell you. It's not easy to gather people. My goodness, we have trouble getting people together to just, I don't, I don't whatever. But it's in the breaking. Jesus. It's in the breaking that the blessing of God comes through your hands into the hands of others. It's in the breaking that God gives you victory over your enemies. It's in the breaking that God prepares you for His purpose in your life. Stand with me if you would this morning. Now here's the key to this passage. And Mark, Jesus does a powerful miracle and they feed the 5,000. He breaks the bread and what seemed to be not enough, there's enough. Let me tell you here this morning. Hear me good. Everything we need as a church is available through Christ Jesus. <laughs> that went over well. 
everything we need this morning is available in Christ Jesus. Through the breaking, he'll multiply. We lack nothing this morning. Nothing. It's available to us. But here's the key to the story. At the end of the story, y'all know in the Old Testament, Jesus, he provided. Jesus, God's a good chef. Y'all know that, right? How many of y'all know Ken's a good chef? Ken's a good chef. If I say to Ken, Ken, prepare a meal for 50 people. He's usually pretty precise, right? Did you know that God every day fed the children of Israel in the wilderness? He fed them precisely with enough of what they needed. Every day. And anything left they couldn't keep because it would spoil the next day. But God precisely knew what they needed. But here in Mark 6, the Bible says there were 12 baskets that were left over. I thought, well, 12 baskets? Somebody messed up. I mean, it kept coming and coming and coming. And so the disciples took the bed. You, know you know what I believe happened to the baskets? The Bible said immediately Jesus urged them to get on a boat to go to the other side. He took them from a miracle to a storm. I believe they took those baskets of fish with them into the storm. Listen. Y'all know the story, they got in the storm, they got in the midst of the storm, and they lose their faith, and they're scared, and they're trembling, they think that they're, they're going to die, and Jesus, what, he comes walking on the water. Jesus said, why, what, what's wrong with you? Why do you have little faith? All they had to do was look at the 12 baskets that were in the boat, and knew that Jesus was a provider. Listen, your past victory is a picture and an indication that God will always be there for you in the future. The leftovers, the leftovers of the victories of your life is what God uses to build your faith in new trials. Now, I know it's a little after 12 right now. If you have to leave, you can go. I give you permission to go. But we're going to minister this morning. We're going to minister this morning. So if you have to go, you can go quietly do it. Don't disrupt what's going on in here. Go in the hallway, talk, whatever. If you have to go, I understand you got to go. But I'm going to pray this morning. We're going to pray for the fire of God to come back and to give you holy heartburn again this morning. And if you want the fire of God... I'm not going to spend long prophesying over you or talking over you. I'm just going to anoint you with oil, and the fire of God is going to come on you. And you're going to get holy heartburn all day. You're going to have holy heartburn, right? You're going to say, I need a spiritual tongues because my heart is burning. With the... Some of you need your passion back for God, your desire back for God. Some of you have missed out on things that God has been wanting to do in your life. But if you want a fresh touch and a fresh fire this morning, I want you to come down to this altar. Come, 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 come. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. 
If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.